0: Welcome back, everybody. I have Father June on. I can't believe it. We finished watching Warrior. Please welcome Perry Young. Um,
1: yeah, Thank it's, you. It's, Thank you for having me.
0: Man, I'm so excited. I, I you know, we. I'm excited. I'm sad. I, all all sorts of emotions are, are playing through right now because we just finished. Uh, you know, last week. Uh, I'm I'm in the U.S. So uh, you know, we just finished. Uh, the season two on friday of, of last week so yeah that was that, hot
1: huh that was intense
0: it was intense i mean nine was more intense than ten but ten ten did a really nice job of setting things up for season three four <laughs> and five yeah so let's yeah i'm i'm, I'm with you let's uh, let's keep praying by the way just to mention everybody who is not finish season two there will be spoilers ahead so watch at your own risk so but uh perry welcome welcome to the show
1: thank you thank you for having me alan
0: it's um it's some series Uh, i uh Uh, you know i absolutely love it Uh, i i know you've seen me on the facebook uh uh, warrior page you've seen me on instagram uh, kind of uh, talking about it and chatting with people and i've had you know uh three wonderful people from the show on. Mm. It all started with the incredible, uh, you know, Maria, uh, right. Lena uh, Lass, who uh, was so kind and so generous. And she told, uh, you know, the, the crew uh, and the, uh, all the actors about uh, the show and her experience. Mm. And uh, Chen, uh, Chen Tang, who plays Hong, right. uh, another right. halfway, uh, halfway um, part of the warrior family. He was uh, wonderful, and then uh, recently I had a chance to talk to uh, Big Bill himself, oh, to, uh, yeah. to Kieran. So, um, right. you're number four, and tomorrow I get a chance to talk to Joanna, uh, who's Penny on the show. I, yeah, I, I'm incredibly thankful for mm-hmm. uh, for the support from the Warrior family, it's, it means a lot.
1: Well, you know, it's a pleasure to have you, and we, I mean, it's, this is a very unique show. Mm-hmm. It's a very special show. Um, It's close to all our hearts and it's just a gift that we somehow um, the producers, I mean, it's it's skill on the producer's level to find the actors that can actually um, carry the story or, you know, in the way that that they think it uh, could be done. And then to have the sort of chemistry and, and familial kind of familial bond that we found. And I really think it's just all about Bruce Lee, you know, his, how he, what he represents in this world um, across cultures and genders and, and nationalities and international borders. I mean, he, he's this international universal icon. And I think everybody has, whether they've seen a picture of him or, or not, or watched one of his films, they know the name and they know that it represents something powerful and special and inspirational. Um, so everybody in the cast has a connection to Bruce Lee with, I mean, I'm so close to him. And I could talk about that in a bit, but even Tom, Tom Weston Jones, says his mother was in love with Bruce Lee. And she would just, you know, he would just hear about her talking about Bruce Lee as a, when he was young, you know, it's like, and so everybody has a story like that. You can just say that everybody in the cast has a story on how Bruce Lee affects has affected their lives and in some ways. So it's, that's all it takes. It's like being in a show that your great, your favorite uncle put together. Yeah. You know, you're not going to mess this up.
0: No. And, um, you know, what I've, what I've noticed with, you know, all of the cast members that I have spoken to, you guys are really close. You, you, you are a family. I know that you were all together in South, uh, South Africa to do this. But, uh, you know, you finished shooting a year and a half ago, pretty much. <laughs> and uh you still stayed so close together everybody's talking to uh, everybody everybody misses everybody i uh, you know, completely uh, completely uh, uh you know olivia was talking about that she started a new project and she feels like she's cheating on her old, <laughs> on her oh. on her ex because it feels wrong it's it's, <laughs> it's so great uh, to hear
1: it's really special i mean you really you know we share the scenes with these you know i First of all, you know, when you show up, you just meet them and it's all nice and you do the table reading and you go, oh, are we all going to go have a dinner or something just to get to know each other better? And then suddenly everybody's just like laughing and, you know, it's like bonding and, and then you work more and you get deeper and you start to understand who they are. And then every night it's like, where are we going? Where are we going for dinner? Where are we, You know, let's meet up at a bar, you know, like, and who's training tomorrow morning? You know, so like Brett Chan set up this amazing um, vibe in the training room where it's like all the actors are invited. Whether you fight or not, you, you can come and train. And that created a great, you know, it, it created our green room. So mm-hmm. a, as a theater person, we have a green yeah. room. And that's where we meet and hang out and talk about other stuff that's not really about the show. We can yeah. just unwind, and, you know, it's, it's informal. So that, that really set up a, a vibe of like, you know, we're in this together. We train, you know. And Brett is so great about looking after the artists, uh, the actors. And he'll have- Uh, Bless you. Yeah. Um, So he set up this amazing vibe and that just kind of like gelled us, you know, created this environment where we're all in this together. We bond with the fighting crew, you know, the stunt people, you know, we're in a lot of the shows, you're separate, you're separated from the actors and the and the fighters and then uh, the stunt people and then you just meet on set. And you introduce yourselves, and then they double for you and all this stuff. But here, we sweat and train every day together. So it really created this amazing bond, a, a really, really true family atmosphere on and off the set.
0: Yeah, it it really felt like it. And uh, kind of going uh, and looking at some of the clips that were posted by everybody, and seeing that training environment, I am just heartbroken <laughs> that I, I wasn't a part of that particular. <laughs> You know, me as an actor, me as a martial artist, me as an a enormous fan of, of Bruce Lee, like that whole thing, I just wanted to be there. I didn't care what I would be doing. I just want to be there and be a part of that energy. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it really looked special. And uh, my, you know, sincere hope, I know you share that too, and so does the, um, so the cast, but, you know, I'm looking at, uh, at Warrior the same way that I was looking at Cobra Kai. You know, mm-hmm. Cobra Kai did really well on YouTube. Then YouTube mm-hmm. kind of stopped it. Then the big push and everything mm-hmm. changed once they went on Netflix. Uh, you know, uh, you're going on HBO Max. It's not Netflix. It's different. But starting January, we're going to get a much wider audience. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to keep harping on this. I know other people <laughs> in the Facebook group as well. We all signed. We all signed the uh, the. Uh,
1: Change.org.
0: Yes, yeah. So we, yes. we all filled out the petition that we want uh, seasons three. So I am hoping that with a wider audience and enough interest, that will get HBO to uh, to green light three, four, five, and go on from there. Because this this universe, uh, the world that was created, uh, there are so many rich stories left to tell. And I I know we're going to be speaking with uh, with Joanna tomorrow, but. We can't leave Penny uh, <laughs> like that. That's just that's unfair. We have to we have to get the story moving. There are too many things that need to be addressed.
1: Well, knowing Penny's power and and ability to get things done, I think she will just straighten that place out. You know, rework it. She'll take over. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, but I do hope, I mean, it's really going to be up to the HBO producers, because HBO is, you know, is the mother company of Cinemax, and they really were the ones that were writing the check for for Warrior. So they own the show, and it's really up to them. And I know that um, there were possibilities of selling the show to another producer, but I think HBO wanted to own the rights and a lot of it yeah so they you know they wanted to own the rights they just and because it was going through this corporate um restructuring yeah. i think there was no real decision maker so i th- hopefully you know when this opens in uh, on hbo max and we get a you know a whole new viewership things uh the wheels will get uh will start to turn in a different way and more positive for the you know the show which you know it's not so different from like lovecraft country and and um Uh, uh, Watchmen and um, you know I might uh, what is the other one I might um, kill you or I can't remember the title but they're they're African American based on HBO and it's so political it's so timely and it's it's just like the show so why not have the Asian American version of those shows.
0: Yeah, it needs to be there. And uh again, I might
1: destroy you. Sorry. I might destroy you is called the name of the I series. And it's about an African American woman and all the you know, sexism and racism that she goes through in culture. Mm-hmm. So it it's so topical right now for HBO to support, you know, like the other voice in America.
0: Absolutely. It should be done. And not again, uh I'm I'm a white guy, so I'll I'll kind of take a step uh back from all of this, but you know, just from the purity of the show itself uh, and based on what's happening in our country and what has been happening this year, uh, which I want to touch upon with you in just a moment, but just from that alone. So you take that, you take an amazing drama, you take action, you take Bruce Lee uh, tied to it because it's his story uh, that he wrote and it's based on the writings. Uh, And then you uh, put everything else on top of that. And there are at least six reasons for the show to continue moving on. So it, it has to be done, in my opinion. Um,
1: I agree. <laughs> and I, I think so many fans recently, I mean, I've seen the, our, our viewership, like, blow up from season one to now. I mean, you know, it, it takes a while. It's not going to happen on the first season. It takes right. a while for people to catch on. And then imagine by the third season, you know, it's like. Breaking Bad, you know, by the season three or four, it, it really exploded. So um, I have so many people on my uh, Instagram and Facebook feeds that are demanding a season three already. Yes. You know, it, it's just one of those shows.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, and you talked about, you know, the, the connection to Bruce Lee. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, I have his books right here. You know, they're, they're next uh, to me on my desk, you know, that's, right, right below.
1: That's um, awesome.
0: And you know, I started uh, doing martial arts because of Bruce Lee. It was Bruce Lee, then it was uh, you know, probably the other biggest uh, inspiration for me was Van Damme because Van Damme you know, uh, doing the splits between the chairs, which is what I was doing. I started doing splits between the chairs because of Van Damme, which, by the way, saved me in high school because people assumed that I knew uh, martial arts. I did not. I just did <laughs> the chairs. Um, so that whole thing came. And then uh, Bruce Lee's son, Brendan, you know, mm-hmm. Brandon. I was. I cried when I found out that uh, that Brandon was killed.
1: Um, oh yeah.
0: It was a. It was a huge shock to the system. I'm still kind of not fully over that uh, part. So the connection to uh, to Bruce, and then uh, seeing the show immediately. Kind of, I did not uh, subscribe to Cinemax. Cinemax. I started subscribing because of Warrior.
1: Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah
0: so you know i'm now I'm, I'm happy that it's going to go on hbo uh, so i can just stick with the hbo <laughs> <laughs> subscription but it's i don't expect everybody to do that that's why i'm hoping you know more people have the hbo subscription more people are going to watch it and then kind of this groundswell is going to happen but um, coming back to you know to the things that have been happening in this country for let's let's you know call it uh, the way that it is you know less four years uh, and especially culminating in the last uh, year uh, with the outgoing uh, former soon-to-be uh, president of the United States. Um, to me, it's unreasonable, illogical, and just plain wrong to put <clears throat> a blame on, on a pandemic to, uh, to China and then to call it, I, I, don't, I don't even want to call it what he's calling it because it's just ridiculous,
1: no, he's just inciting violence, and he's you know that's exactly what he's. He knows what he's doing. I mean, he's he's part of that you know um, group of people <laughs> who is basically supporting. Uh, you know, I mean, I have to you know because because of our our current president or the one that's outgoing, we can't say white supremacy now. So he he's using these toxic uh, you know ways of. To to cause um, rife between people to continue the fight, so it's like we need to fight this. So he's going to use the kind of language that incites um, violence and that's going to you know draw up his people to arms, um, basically. And you see that happening, you know, with people showing up at at, at the governor of uh, in Georgia's you know home, you know. So he this this stuff is done purposely to rile up his constituents so that they will support him in his you know, whatever he wants to do. So, yeah, that is just, uh, it's painful. It's stuff that's happened to um, people of color since the beginning in America, you know. Um, and, w- and we have to call it out. It's, it's time to call that stuff out. And we have been trying, and a show like this definitely calls it out. Mm-hmm. And basically, the, the really weird thing about it is like, a show like Warrior can say, look what happened back then. Mm-hmm. When the Chinese were getting off the boat, when Assam got off the boat and you see the, the white uh, workers with signs saying Chinese go home mm-hmm. and getting spat on and things like that. People can watch it and go, wow, that happened back then, mm-hmm. you know, and it's happening now. And, it's, and the funny thing is, it's the same people who are going, wow, that happened back then, who are doing it. I mean, there are fans of Warrior who are white supremacists. And there are fans of Bruce Lee who are white supremacists. They love that action hero. They love the, the violence, the fighting. You know, I mean, Bruce Lee has philosophy behind the violence. It's yeah. about supporting the greater good, mm-hmm. right? The philosophy of kung fu is like you don't fight unless you have to support the greater good. So, of course, they only see the fighting. So that's the, the ironic part of, of Warrior and part of the culture that, that subscribes to a, a, you know, action, violence, TV shows. So yes, it's really ironic, and um, the whole Chinese virus thing is used to just pit people against each other.
0: it's it's sad. It's sad that you know we in two thousand and twenty, as a society, are still at that level where not only are we triggered by this, but we're actually many people following. You know, forgive mm. me for saying, but seventy three million people voted for him. It's really,
1: it's really mind boggling. Uh, it's sad, as you say, and it's, and it's, it's you know, it's frustrating and it yeah. causes anger in a lot of people.
0: Right. Uh, and has it caused, again, you know, because you're a part of the community, uh, has it caused you or uh, people that you know um, additional anguish? Have, have they seen uh, things elevate? Uh, when they're just being, uh,
1: you know, around. Well, I mean, you know, there has been a, a rise of uh, anti-Asian violence. You could, and there's been anti-Asian violence task force, like one set up in New York City, as a result of this. And I would say, as a result of of this president's um, uh, use of the Chinese virus specifically, yeah. so because of that, there has been a rise in anti-Asian violence, the Chinese violence. But I would say, the the Bright side of this is that the communities have um, come together. You know, now we have Asians for Black Lives. Where you know there are movements like that, and that we can say that you know there's we have to develop a kind of a a new method. You know, to go forward, and it's really basically solidarity. We have to come together, and to look and fight the common enemy. You know, because Trump is basically pointing at people of color and saying they're the enemy. So like, if, if we are the perceived enemy, it's like, then the, then the people of, who are the enemy should come together and support each other. You know, whereas in the past we have, um, these systems and these things that work in culture to divide people, you know, like laws, we had laws dividing people. And mm-hmm. so to keep people of color separate, like people of color couldn't uh, marry each other, um, things like that. So now that we could, and we could actually, you know, like we had the model minority stereotype mm-hmm. to pit. Asian Americans against other Americans to say, look at this Asian, look at this group. They're doing better than you. So you don't need affirmative action. You just need to work as hard as they do, which is, you know, uh, uh, one of my favorite writers, Frank Chin said it best. The only reasons Asian Americans got uh, ahead was because white people don't hate us as much. So, you know, (laughs) um, so yes. So the bright side of it is that people of color are, you know, and, you know, women and LGBT communities are coming together uh, and forming, uh, you know, and and sticking together in in a, um, in solidarity.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the common enemy of all this is ignorance. Uh, It's ignorance. It's, it's biases. It's the lowest elements of our society that right now are in Arizona. For instance, are you willing to die for Trump? What the fuck is wrong with you people?
1: Exactly. I mean, and it really is from this sort of didactic dogmatic, you know, statements that he's saying, I mean, it's like people are incited by that kind of language, you know, and otherwise if he didn't make those statements, people wouldn't come out with guns. Right. It's that simple.
0: And, and, um, last, last part of this before we move on, but, you know, I'm, I'm Jew. Uh, I'm a a Jew. I'm Jew. Yes. Um, (laughs) Uh, And uh, I grew up in the, well, I was, I was 14 when I came to the United States. So I grew up in the former Soviet Union. So I faced wow. discrimination because of being Jewish there. So in any homogenous society, uh, right? That was a homogenous society. It was basically everybody's white or some, uh, you know, variation of it. And they found ways to discriminate on each other. And uh, mm-hmm. being a Jew was the biggest uh, you know thing. So I grew up in that environment, but... Having grandparents who went through World War II, there was always a question of how could Hitler rise to power? And how could people allow that type of hatred uh, to permeate so deeply that then the whole country was driven by? And the last four years, I understood how, because you see that the United States of America, the the country that I love, that I came here as a kid and grew up in, you can have that here too. Yes, you can. And we have to be vigilant. And we have to just remind ourselves of who we actually are, as opposed to go down to the lowest common denominator of fear that Trump has been uh, yelling about for the last five years.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, it comes down to inaction also, right? You hear yeah. that people are calling out the Republicans who are silent. on, uh, And mm-hmm. if you're silent, you're enabling. Yeah. If you're silent, you're part of the problem. It's that you can decide whether you're a salute, part of the solution or part of the problem. I mean, if you don't, if you're not doing anything about it, you're part of the problem.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's, uh, let's move off of problems and on to, uh, onto solutions or at least interesting parts of it.
1: So I, mean, uh, so, I mean, I just wanted to touch on something where you said that even in a homogenous society, they can still discriminate. I mean, look what happened in warrior when they were pointing out that the Irish, We're at the bottom of the rung before the Chinese came, you know, so then then there's another bottom of the rung after the Chinese came, but still the Irish were, you know, they would pit the lowest ones against each other.
0: Yeah, we always as a society, and that's the unfortunate part, we always find somebody else to blame for our problems. And when you have that, then instead of looking in the mirror and seeing what you can do better yourself, it's much easier to blame somebody else. And until we graduate uh, from that, I think we're, we're, we're bound for conflict and that's, that's unfortunate part of it. Um, In Warrior. So, so getting back to, uh, to my favorite show. um, (laughs) Father June is a really interesting character and is a character of strength. He's a character Mm -hmm. of wisdom. There's more kind of developing as we go through the arc uh, and especially in season two. So, you're encountering this uh this really really interesting character you're a soft-spoken man you're a musician um you you grew up as an artist before you got into acting so from a pure transformational perspective of going from a soft-spoken artist into a um leader of a warring gang with a uh by the way, is the is the eye is is the right eye working? Is it not working? I'm not sure that it was ever mentioned.
1: Yeah, it was mentioned once in season uh, one, in the first episode one, when the my son character, Young Jun, yeah. uh, mentions I was stabbed in the eye uh, with a you know like I fought the opium wars and then the um, yeah the British in the opium wars and that's when I, I killed one of the British soldiers, took that sword right out of my eye and stabbed them back. So it's not working. But I mean, it's it's a white, you know, it's a white eye that, uh, uh yeah, yeah. So I guess the question is how do, how, if the character is not, is very different from my, and you know, the, um I think we're all, you know, everyone in the cast is very different cool. from who they're playing, you know. Um, everybody, it just kind of blows me away when I hang out with, you know, in the first season one, we're hanging out, we're we're shooting our scenes and you don't see the art until you see it on TV, right? You you know, you you could see them shooting the scenes, take after take, but when you see the edit, then you go, oh my God, they're so talented, you know? And like, I'm in love with the actors and I'm like, I never knew you were like that, you know? Uh, All the nuances, you know, and they're all there. And so we're all like, I'm just enamored of all the actors and go, I didn't know you were like that, you know? Even though I hang out with you all day and, and, and stuff on the set. So for me, I guess there's, you know, I grew up, I was born in Oakland, California, and it it is a city of predominantly black um, urban culture, you know, urban. And in the past several decades, it's it's, it's been a rough city. Um, It's a city that begat the Black Panthers because of how rough and ignored the uh, denizens were. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in that city knowing that I was just on the opposite side of the fence of of my black brothers, you know. But at the same time, we were able to somehow um feel the pain and navigate it together. You know, and you know, when Bruce Lee came about, he really kind of saved my ass, you know, because there were a lot of you know tension between, you know, like there's just like bullying and stuff like that and violence on the streets. But, you know, I, I come, I don't. I am um, a chill dude, I think because of the musician, because of the music, I think I was, a, uh, I was like the youngest of three boys and I was left alone a lot. So, so I, I look to music and art as a way, as, as my friends. Mm-hmm. And I think that those things, music and art, are, is a great therapy for people. You know, it's great because you just kind of discover yourself, um, some other world in it that's soothing. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with that, but knowing that there's a lot of pain in society and then there's a lot of racism, especially uh, racism against Asians and just knowing our history as Chinese Americans and all the laws that were um, put against us. I mean, like the the big one that they never got to yet in Warrior was the, the 1882 Chinese Exclusion Law. which which then prevented Chinese from coming into the country. And when you think about like the Muslim ban or the Mexican wall, it's been happening way, it happened way before with the Chinese, you know? So as a result of those laws, I, I never met my grandmothers because they prevented Chinese women from coming into the country. They didn't want us to start families here. They only wanted the labor and they thought, okay, after you work for us, you can either die here alone or you can go back to China,
0: you know? that's inhumane Uh it
1: is right and it was a law so um knowing these things i i think i had probably you know um subjugated that kind of tension through my art and then finally when i get got a role like this you know and i also had a role in the nick with with Ping Wu, mm-hmm. I'm able to kind of like release that kind of tension through the through the art, through the craft. Mm-hmm. And um it's really surprising what's there when you give it a chance to come out, you know. And so, you know, when I'm rehearsing this character and the scenes, it like it can get really big and ugly, you know, but then you kind of have to pull it back and go, okay, what am I presenting as an artist? What what is what are we doing with art here? This is art. We're making art. This is not therapy, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but but the art is therapy. But what I'm presenting is not my right. therapy output, you know. So I guess I guess does that answer your question of like how do I get there? Yeah. You know, it's like knowing my history. I think.
0: Yeah, uh, and uh, again, if this is too personal, uh, please uh, you know don't answer. But uh, <laughs> you can- your your grandfather uh, came to San Francisco uh, and since the grandmother was not allowed does that mean that your uh, you know what happened with your dad did they have to you know remarry here how did that whole part uh, develop
1: yeah so so because of things like that we, a lot of chinese american history is murky for a lot of families and there are genealogy organizations that help chinese americans find their roots yeah. so it was actually my great great my great grandfather came Okay. Got it, got so ahead. not so. My great grandfather came first. Worked on the railroads. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, the railroads finished, and, and then Chinatown in Chicago started because all the Chinese were stuck in the middle of the U.S. Like, well, what do we do now when the when the, yeah. the railroads are done? They started another Chinatown in Chicago. So that's where my great grandfather is buried. Are you? Uh, yeah. Go to Chinatown, have some chop I, suey. <laughs> I I've been to
0: Chinatown many times. It's wonderful. Yeah, I really, really like it. Uh, it's, I expected, by the way, I expected it to be bigger, uh, you know, before I went there. It's not that big, but it's, it's fascinating. It's really, really uh, pretty. So once COVID time is over, anybody who's traveling to Chicago, please go to the, you know, West side uh, and and look at Chinatown.
1: Well, it, it was big at one time, put it that okay. way. Right. You know, like a lot of Chinatowns that became ghost towns and things like that. Um, so so my great grandfather came and this is very common with a lot of Chinese American history is that because they couldn't find wives yeah. um, and, and start families, they would go back to China mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, have a, have children yeah. and then in a few, it, they would wait and then 10, 15 years they would bring, they go back and bring a son over mm. and then that son, you know, would not have any you know, prospects for marriage. That son would go back and, and find a wife. And then they would only get married you know, and have kids, and then he would come back to America. So there were a lot of Chinese women in Southern China, Guang, Guang, uh, Guangdong area, mm-hmm. Toisan region, where the first ships came out of, were all single Chinese women with husbands in America. Mm-hmm. And they called them the Gold Mountain husbands because they never saw them. They were in the Gold Mountain. You know, so that's a common thing. Um, for that, for that area. And then for America, obviously, were the bachelor Chinatowns. So there were just no women and thus we have the brothels. Mm-hmm. Um, so because my great-grandfather was sending money back um, to America, my grandfather started to have some money, was able to buy land, went to um, Shanghai for medical school, became an herb, doc, herbalist. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did not immigrate, but then my, my father did. Mm-hmm. my father immigrated and I was the first Actually, So after four generations of Chinese, mm-hmm. Chinese immigrants, I was the first generation born in America. And this is because of the anti Chinese, you know, laws. Um, And, and, you know, we are, we're always talking in the Chinese American communities, like, imagine what would happen if we didn't have that law. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine how much what would happen with the Jewish population if we didn't have the Holocaust, you know, so yeah, that's that's uh, that's Definitely. the thing that we should learn about in history.
0: Yeah, and that, that whole thing again, I just it brings me pain uh, hearing you talk about it. And uh, I I remember my parents, my you know what happened uh, after the revolution in 1917. Um, you know, you had a a czar in the in the former you know Russia, uh, mm-hmm. you the Russian Empire. You had the czar. He was overthrown by the uh, the Bolsheviks and then all of the kind of everything changed so i remember my parents were saying that you know great-grandfather i, I don't remember exactly but the great-grandfather um he was you know working uh for um as a degustant uh, the the one who uh who knows all the different wines and could mm-hmm. you know could uh, smell it he was working for uh, for the czar uh, there were um, people with businesses, and all of that went away so kind of for seventy or eighty years, the family lineage and the ability to hold property or to have businesses or to do anything went away mm-hmm. so everything like that accumulation of wealth uh, that we talk about, the historical accumulation and how families uh, you know start doing well and growing from poverty into uh, into well to do well Seventy years of that, and uh, two generations, uh, it was wiped away. For you, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. You know, four mm-hmm. generations, you never had a chance to accumulate that wealth and all of the hard work to pay off or something. So it, the you know, United States would have looked very different had it not been for that uh, law uh, that prevented China, which is utterly ridiculous. But um, you know, nothing. We
1: generational can... wealth, yeah. So 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 much of white American wealth comes from generational wealth. Yep. Yeah. And that's, you know, because of um, because they knew that they prevented blacks from being able to get loans from buying homes, you know, and, and prevented um, Asians, uh, people of color from moving into better neighborhoods and buying homes. Because in that way, you could start, you know, build building wealth. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just a look at institutionalized racism in this country.
0: It's sad. Like, seriously, why is it a problem? Do we care what, uh, you know, what color the other people are? And do we care if somebody's gay or they're straight? Really? I mean, is that what we're so concerned with? Uh, I and mean, to me, it's it's simple. It's either you're a nice person or you're a jackass. So I don't care, you know, uh, if somebody is LGBTQ, if they're straight, if they're black, if they're Asian. It doesn't matter to me. It's just are you a nice person or you're not? And can't we can
1: if we like simple things, can we just be this
0: simple and that's
1: it? I'm with you one hundred percent, Alan. I just don't understand why people are racist, you know, and why they want they think that they're missing out if they're sharing. I mean, you know, the first that book, I mean the first thing you learn in kindergarten is sharing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like we don't miss out if we share you know uh, we don't miss out if somebody else marries someone else that we don't like I mean you know they can they can be married it doesn't bother me you know it's, it's it doesn't make sense to me it really does not
0: yeah and uh, I, I the the argument of um, you know uh, LGBTQ people can be together because they're not good for raising children Really? Let's look at the kids, uh, you know, and let's look at how many kids are unhappy because they come from unhappy homes. Wouldn't we want a child to be loved? I mean, is that what, what are we focusing on?
1: I, I completely think, agree. I, I mean, I think, you know, if you, if you bring out like family and children, a lot of this culture, you know, comes from what what the Bible defines as family you know, yeah. marriage and, and begetting, you know, children. So mm-hmm. um, I think that a lot of the great words of the Bible are twisted, Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you know, for, you know, perp- uh, personal gain and power. I mean, it, it's sad. It really is sad. I mean, you could see how some a lot of uh, the religious leaders spoke out against the outgoing president. when he smoked, you know, they sprayed the group of protesters with the, with the, uh smoke uh smoke bombs and showed up with a bible in front of that the church is sick it's really that was just like the epitome of, of twisting christianity
0: that's blasphemy right there yeah yeah um but enough about him i don't want to give him more, <laughs> uh, the the reserved uh, attention um agreed yeah, back, back to, uh, to Warrior. So you've mentioned that, uh, you know, in the cast, everybody's kind of different from, uh, from the characters that they're playing. Um, is there anybody that's closer to the character that they're playing? You know, I thought it would be Dean, but I'm not sure if that's the case.
1: <laughs> Dean. Dean is a sweetheart. He really is. You know, that's, that, he is actually a great example of how different someone can be. Compared to their person, I mean you know we went, we rode to the training every morning and we'd get in the van together at you know and Dean he's just comes in, he's with his warm up it's got his headphones, you know, so what we do today, you know he calls me pez, hey Pez, what we doing today? you know uh, he's just a sweetheart, he really is like a puppy dog, i mean he's a you know it, i don't let's see who who would be that person um you know i Close. Who would be close? Uh, you know, closer. Oh, yeah. Closer. Yeah. You know, I would say that. You know, like just just making a broad statement here is yeah. like the 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 women, toy and Diane, they're very smart. Yes. And so Atoy and Atoy, uh, and I mean Olivia Chang and Diane Don are very smart. They're very smart actors, and so their characters are very smart also. Uh, so there's a similarity there um hoon lee is also very smart and he's always playing what side what angle can i come at this you know what wang Chao. wang Chao is very smart he's always deliberating should i do it like this or like this if i do it like this it's going to be this you know so um you know uh assam is very focused and intense andrew koji was very focused i mean you know uh Well, maybe, maybe, maybe Jason Tobin is as close to the character. Jason, Jason's Jason's a fun guy, you know, he's a funny guy. He's also very serious, you know, at the same time. Um, So, so maybe, I mean, obviously there's a little bit of us in the character or a lot of us, but we just played the different shades of us that are in the character. Mm -hmm. And um, that intensity that, that you see like in me, yeah, it's in there, but I don't show it to the world. I don't have to show it to the world, but if I've given the opportunity to show it in the world, through the world, to the world, through art, uh, it's a privilege. So I get to work that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I, you know, Tom, sweetheart. I mean, um, I, God, I mean, jo- I mean, every Joanna's very smart. Joanna, Joanna is very smart too. And, 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 you know, she's that woman who takes control of her life. All the women take control of their lives, mm-hmm. you know, against the systems that are repressing them. In this show, which is which is amazing, yeah. you know, how many shows do you get to see that where all the women are strong characters?
0: You don't, you don't. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, the one of my favorite shows is uh, Billions uh, mm. on, on Showtime. Showtime. Uh, yeah. So there, the the women characters are are badasses, and I love mm. um, Suits is another show like that that uh, used mm. to be on USA uh, Network. It uh, it finished its long run. Uh, I think last year. So Suits was another one, but yeah, not, not many shows. And Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. uh, One of the things that I love about warrior is the fact that there is no clear cut, good, bad. Everybody (laughs) has shades and everybody has times where they are a good quote unquote uh, good person and a bad person. And it just shows life and you have no idea who to root for. Uh, even, you know, the last, uh, almost uh, the last uh, part of of uh, uh, 10, where you have Leary and Assam fighting. Um, even though I wanted uh, Assam to win, I didn't want Leary to be killed because I like Leary. I, I know he's a racist, but I like with Sophie's introduction, you see more and more of him as a as a man and as a loving uh, man, you understand what he's trying to do for his community. He's misguided, but you understand that it comes from a place of loyalty and love. So I don't want him to get hurt. When we had the dim, you know demaka shot into his heart, I was really worried there for a oh, bit. Yes, right. So um, <coughs> these things, it's it's great because you you're always on the edge of your seat. You don't know what to do with yourself as you're watching.
1: <sighs> it's, it's absolutely true. And when I read the script, I, I thought that even my, char- my character has a lot of good. And the reason, mm-hmm. why, the reason why he's doing what he's doing is he had a speech um, in season one, which was cut, unfortunately, to, to explain why he started the hop way. You know, you. You know I started the hop way bec- to prevent the violence from the ducks upon our people when I was, when I was uh, indoctrinating uh, Assam into the hopway to burn him in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I would tell him why this is important. And yeah. we are the most powerful tongue in Chinatown to protect our people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So unfortunately that scene was cut, you know? In your demo reel. Is it? Yes. Oh, okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm, I'm um, going to post
0: it below the video. So please uh, guys go check it out. It's in there.
1: So I, okay. So, I, or or maybe, maybe the scene is there, but then I think the speech was cut because yeah, yeah. it was a longer speech anyway. So it was a big speech about why we do what we do in the hot way. We're the baddest mother efforts around because the white people are killing us. We need to stop that, you know? And so, um, yeah, so that's, my character was the was the Malcolm X of the time. I, I looked at Malcolm X and went, "You know what? He's Malcolm X because he has to be. No one else is going to be that. No, you know, Martin Luther King is great. Let's do it through love. But uh, but love is not working right now. So how else are we going to do it? You know? So my character just happens to be the Malcolm X of the time. Uh, that's who I was looking for as inspiration because he's doing what he has to do for his people.
0: You know? That's really interesting. Um, again, Leary is going to think of himself in the same uh, manner, but, uh, yeah, um, that's a really interesting, and,
1: up- and I think that Leary really kind of, he's not really racist. He just has to look out for his people. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it's like, it's like, what's the greater good here? You know, like if you came across Hitler before he, you know, rose to power and you had a chance to kill him, Yeah. you know, would you, would that be considered evil to kill someone? who's killed 60,000 people before, I mean, if you can prevent that.
0: It's more than 60,000.
1: Yes. If you can prevent it, would you do it? So it's like, he's a product of of the times as opposed to being, uh, you know, thought out racist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. So, um, an interesting part to me, and again, I, am I'm ignorant from the historical perspective of the time, but, Why didn't the, because again, you know, at the end Leary, uh, who's based on a real character, uh, he started the uh, party and he went into a political movement. Why didn't the Chinese do that as well? Because maybe they would have had more say and and more uh, power in it. I don't know if that ever happened or not.
1: It did happen. And I talked to Brad Kane about season three because we needed a character who was articulate like yeah. the white, in the Chinese community, like the white blue bloods. Yeah. And there was a character, a real life character. Um, unfortunately, I can't remember his name right now. It's the first Chinese Chinese-American graduate at, at, of Yale, mm. Yale Law and became a lawyer. And he fought for most of the things that Chinese uh, immigrants in general have rights today. For example, birthright, if you were born in America,
0: mm. you're an American. Hmm.
1: This Chinese American lawyer fought for that and won, and because of that, anyone born in America has birth rights. He fought it for the Chinese who were being challenged at the time that, that couldn't go back to Hong Kong or China and come back into the America. Hmm. So that lawyer actually won other um, other cases that are historical for education and everything. So I talked to Brad about we need a, we need that character
0: in yeah. the show. Yeah.
1: yeah, then then they would represent an area of the Chinese community that was, you know, schooled, educated, and was articulate in the same way.
0: Yes. That's wonderful. Okay, again, more reasons for a three, season four Season three. three! Yeah, here we go. <laughs> um, so there's a, there's a big discussion that's going on of who's to blame for all the calamity of, of season two. I have <laughs> my pick. I'll, I'll let you know who it is in just a moment, but who do you think is to blame for everything bad that happens in season two?
1: Season 2 like the whole season?
0: Yeah, I would say I would say there's one person that every bad thing, all the deaths, everything could be traced right back to. Uh
1: uh okay, wait, wait. So um I mean everybody's guilty like you said earlier, everybody's guilty. Yes. But everybody's also not, you know. It's like there's everybody's bad and good in the show. Yep. So um I mean if I, if I, if I go to the to the climax of season 9 and that's the biggest part of something really bad that happened um to me yeah. I would say that that the, um the character uh, uh Sophie thank you yeah I agree with you because that's the worst thing that happened to me in season 2 yes yeah uh, but but I would say that the invisible character of the whole two seasons is white supremacy. Yes. That, that causes all of these people to behave this way. You know, when I say white supremacy, I don't mean one person. I don't mean the white guy. I mean the system, yes. you know, the system that supports, you know, like how, why some people get privilege and others don't. I'm, that's the system. When I say, okay. yeah. Cause yeah. if
0: you, if, uh, if the Chinese people were accepted, then you wouldn't have a need for all of this stuff. Uh, They would not be necessarily just in Chinatown. There would be, you know, a lot of opportunities elsewhere. But going back to Sophie, because that is my choice. Sophie's choice, interesting. That's (laughs) um, Sophie is my choice. And and the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know what, it's interesting if they had really the writers and the producers to really envision that because the first seed in season two, you know, Leary uh, is is mourning the uh, uh, the loss of his uh, of his wife and uh, kids, and look who's strolling through the uh, through the uh,
1: graveyard.
0: The, the graveyard. It's so, yeah. and it was a foreshadowing of the mayor is dead because of Sophie. The uh, you know Penny's uh, business uh, gets blown up because of Sophie. Uh, Jacob is, uh, is lynched which was a horrible thing to watch by the way mm. uh, because of Sophie like all of the things that I can think of that have you know huge uh, bad consequences more because of Sophie who by the way is incredibly lovely and she's oh. a wonderful actress but mm-hmm. uh, that character you know that character uh, the introduction of that character in season 2 blew up the whole thing she's like the fuse that that ignited everything
1: yeah yeah and she and she is a wonderful lovely actor and a person and she trained every morning with us in training you know yeah it's it's one of those things she she came on board and maria elena came in and everybody's just family right away and it's just cool you know it's amazing it's amazing how cool she was and maria i mean i did actually have a conversation with jonathan tropper when he um When he cast me, he wanted to do a quick um, uh, Skype just to talk to me. And so he goes, good, good. You know, we're talking for a little while. He goes, good, 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 great, great. I feel really good. I feel really good. Great. I just want to make sure you're not an asshole. (laughs) You know, because because he goes, I don't want an asshole on the set. It just it just makes a big difference if i don't know how he could have actually you know vetted me out that way through skype you know but you know just a one-to-one talk and uh he just wants to make sure that the cast is going to get along we're going to be doing this for a while a couple of years you know you know at that time Mm -hmm. at that time he thought you know we signed a contract that was like six years you have to be available for six years you know so it's like if we're together for six years you better not you better be cool yeah
0: No, that's, that's awesome. Um, going back to, uh, to that, right. So you did everybody think that, uh, you know, this was going to be a, you know, five, six year uh, long project.
1: Well, I mean, you, you never know, right. You you just make, you you start shooting it and you, you hope that the fans will like it. And then, you know, I think with Jonathan's relationship with, um, with uh, Cinemax, with mm-hmm. having written Banshee and, and right. show being a, uh, that being a really successful show, mm-hmm. he knew that they would want more from him, you know? So he, I think that we all went in knowing and also looking at the script and feeling really good during the shoot that we had a, a feeling this was gonna be really good, you know? And um, so we were all expecting after season two, while well, season two was being shot that, man, this can go on. You know, this can go on for a long time, like season six. You know, I mean, what is Walking Dead up to? I mean, uh, but you know, we who who would have known?
0: Seasons,
1: right? So something like that. But who would have known HBO would get sold? You know, and there'd be a corporate shakeup, and then then everyone that Jonathan knew at Cinemax would be gone. You know, like all his friends, all the producers, everyone he negotiated with and talked to, were gone.
0: Where are they now? <laughs> Maybe They're, uh, they're
1: uh, making other shows. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you never know. You yeah. never know.
0: And did you audition uh, for Father June only or did they uh, view you for other parts as well?
1: I only auditioned for Father June. Okay. Yeah. They and sent me uh, two episodes, I think.
0: Nice. Uh, to look at. Yeah. Was it a self-tape? Was it, did they bring you in? Uh, what was the audition process itself?
1: it was, um, it was in person. It was, it was, it was, I was in New York and the casting director was in New York uh, and internationally. So I was able to go into the room, you know, and audition with them. And um, so the, you know, the interesting thing is like, right, right before I went into the audition, I had forgotten that I had to go to my, uh, my son's high school orientation that, Right before, I'm talking about like two hours before the audition. Wow. And I'd forgotten about it because I was just meditating all morning, going, oh, I'm going to, you know, go in there and, and you know, like, and then, and then my son goes, uh, my partner goes, well, you're going to this or- orientation, aren't you? I'm like, holy shit. So I had to go figure out LaGuardia high school. He's going into high school. What do you do, you know, with, with your schedules, your lockers, you know, how do you check in, your online? I'm like, oh my God, I have to learn all of this stuff and talk to my son about it, and then go do the audition. You oh. know, and it was so close. We got out of there. I put him in a cab home. I got in a cab to go this way. I mm. got into the audition room ten minutes before my audition. I start to close my eyes, breathe deeply, let all of that go because that was a stressful moment for my son also. Because you know, like he's going into high school. And like now, I gotta focus on like relaxing again, getting the lines in my head again, you know. Because my my actually my audition was um, two monologues. It wasn't a scene. Yeah. I had to give my monologues, and that's like the hardest auditions when yeah. you just give a monologue to a camera, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I went in there, and um, and the the audition assistant said, "Okay, let's uh, let's tape this. You ready? You know, go." And I did the I did the first monologue, and she goes, "Stop, stop the camera." She goes, um, "Stop what you're doing." They they want someone that's really really grounded, really like solid. Just stop what you're doing. And I went, "Holy shit!" Uh-huh. I wasn't doing, you know. And I always remind myself, "Don't do don't do too much. Just kind of you know, yeah. Say the lines, you know. Let the camera, let you know." And I went, "Oh shit!" You know, all that stuff I've carried with me mm-hmm. from the you know. And, and she goes, okay, just so let me know when you're ready. And you know, I just kind of turned around and I remembered this. I went, this is my audition. I wanted this role for years. I heard that they were making this show three years before I got this cast. And I sent a note to my manager saying when they audition for this thing, I want to be auditioning for this. You know, Cause I read about it in deadline or two years before I actually auditioned. And so I turned around and I went, this is my moment. This, I've been wanting this for two years be like water. Yeah. I turned around and I did the audition and then she went, Oh good. Let's do the other monologue. I did the other monologue and both in one take. And she goes, great. Thank you so much. I was like left going, you know, this, that was like the biggest audition of my life. You know, like I, I totally could have blown it and maybe I did, maybe I was fine. Who knows? Um, and and that was it. I just walked in and it was like a, a Labor Day weekend, I think it was, in the mm-hmm. summer. So I d- auditioned on Thursday. I knew the offices would be closed Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You know, I'm going, oh, man, I won't oh, hear from God. you. Know, you're not going to hear from them. And, and oftentimes you don't hear from them anyway. Yeah. You know, you don't hear from them until they, they cast you and then. And then I went on a trip, you know, I went to, I went to Rhode Island to visit my partner's uh, parents. And then we were driving back and I get a message on my phone saying mm-hmm. from my agent saying TV show, call me. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really think that much of it cause I was dry. I had to drive for two more hours. I went, this must be it, but I can't pull over on the road. I'm with my family, you know, <laughs> I can't just like, can we pull over, you know, so can I, can I call my agent. So I drove the rest of the way home. I called my agent and he goes, warrior wants you. I was um, like I screamed you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that.
1: <laughs> My pleasure.
0: That's that's really really cool. Um hypothetically speaking this is just for fun uh before before I get into uh, some of the questions that folks were asking. So um we we know you as Father June in, in on Hopeway. Uh, um if you had to uh, choose what tongue you'd be a part of, what tongue <laughs> would you be a part of?
1: In the show, Warrior. In the show, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if I could be in another tongue. Yeah. I'm so I'm so you know. I am so because the way represents the ones that have been there longer and assimilated. But, like you could tell by their suits. Yeah. Right. And the, the Fung are like savages and then the Long zi are like recent immigrants because they're still Chinese dressed, you know, mm-hmm. so that that level of, of looking at the show was there's simi- immigrants that have assimilated before these immigrants, you know, mm-hmm. so there's a hierarchy in that. So I I've always saw, seen myself as the one even in my my non TV life as the firstborn of my generation. The first born of my family so i'm the one that's more assimilated than my cousins that came later you know that kind of stuff it's so weird um i don't know if i had to choose i the Hai are awesome because they're savages yeah <laughs> and and zing dustin nguyen is so awesome i i would follow dustin around he's just so cool you know
0: that's very cool uh all right let's get into some of the questions from the facebook group which loves you everybody was extremely excited that uh, <laughs> Alright, so let's uh let's see what the questions. Um so uh Derek Chin uh is asking for you, now that you've had an opportunity to play two badass characters set in the 1870s Father June and early 19 ni- 1900s in the Nick as uh Ping Loup, uh, how much of each character's backstory was given to you by the creators and uh what did you come up with your own? Uh,
1: okay, well um because I am a student of Chinese American history, I, I kind of knew the backstories already. Mm-hmm. I knew that these people were archetypal characters. And even when I was talking to Steven, I, I had some input on like what, what this character meant and what he was doing and the possibility that he was actually born there in America. You know, So like I auditioned for Ping Wu with a heavy accent because the, the sides and the breakdown said heavy accent. He was 1900s, you know, mm-hmm. and and when I, worked with with steven and as i was speaking you know as we're rehearsing i'm just speaking as perry and we're going through our blocking and our scenes and then you know when he says shoot let's shoot this thing let's rehearse it i went into my Ping Wu accent he was like whoa stop stop what no, no let's just do it as perry i'm like great because he could have been born in america you know and he was like absolutely you know so like um i we're, we're given a lot of freedom. I was given a lot of freedom, which is amazing, from uh, from the set of the Nick, from the producers and writers of the Nick and Stephen, um, to Jonathan Tropper and um, other writers of like how much freedom I had to create this character. Mm-hmm. So it it was it was a gift, mm-hmm. truly a gift to like that's you. We we cast you. That's, that's... We cast you are the character. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you. Um, because of uh, your performances, there is a depth in character. Neither seem like superficial or shallow caricatures. Curious how much it's him versus how detailed the characters were laid out for him. So you've mentioned that they gave you uh, definitely some opportunities uh, to and some freedom. But uh, like in Father June, was everything laid out or did you add uh, any of your own touches to it?
1: Well, you know, generally, generally, uh, like the a script has the overt meaning, right, the storyline, and then you fill out the storyline, and you deliver what the story is called for in the scene, you know, what is the dramatic art? And then how does your character serve that dramatic art in that scene? So you, we all understand that, or we should be on the same boat with a yeah. director in understanding that. And then once that is set, it's what are the subtle Overtones, you know, intentions of the character, and what and how he does things tell us a lot of uh, why. Mm -hmm. Why is this character doing that, as opposed to just the overt meaning? And then we get the subtler meanings that that kind of enrich enrich the scene and the characters. So I think that um, again, they they cast me, and so that they know that it's it's there, like they saw it already. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of that came from again my my history, my Chinese American history the knowledge of it and knowing who these characters are and that that i'm a, and I'm, I'm always driven by you know representation as a asian american man on uh american television we're always very flat uh you know one-dimensional mm-hmm. and so it's always been an opportunity for me and a challenge for me to think how can i give more flavor to something that's written really flat yep just to support a storyline mm-hmm. how can i make the viewer go oh that dude says something else you know there's something else about that guy that does not distract from the main story the main scene so i i think that i have an intention of showing love for my my culture in america and it's what bruce lee said that inspired me all the time it's like he wants to show the beauty of the chinese people right? That's why he does what he does, and that's always been an inspiration for me, whether I was doing visual arts or music. It's like I want to show the beauty of the Chinese culture, even if they don't know I'm showing them the beauty of chinese culture Yeah. yeah that's so- uh,
0: and again, growing up because uh, I'm such a huge fan of martial arts i I'm in a bubble for me to see Asian uh, people on screen. it's a completely normal process so You know, Warrior for me, and I I, I hope I'm not offending anybody, but Warrior for me was not groundbreaking. Uh, Neither was uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Like that whole part, it was not groundbreaking for me because it was completely normal. I know I am in a tiny minority Mm -hmm. of people, but I had to be educated as to why that was not normal because that's what I've been watching for the past 30, 40 years because I am engulfed in this world. So for me it's completely normal.
1: And that's awesome for anybody who's into martial arts and yeah. films especially like especially like in the in the 70s when when the America when the world was really first becoming globalized and we were getting uh, America was open to eastern culture, philosophy and so forth and arts and we got start uh, China, kung fu movies started coming into Chinatowns. And non-Chinese people were going to these Chinatown theaters because they were like, we've never seen this before. We've only been seeing Hollywood movies. We've never been seen Run Run Shaw, you know, Golden Harvest, Kung Fu movies. We've never seen, and it blew up. Mm-hmm. And you know, and so those, those small fraction of the uh, population who are interested in something different will not see Warrior or Crazy Rich Asians or you know, Joy Luck Club yeah. that differently because they, they know that another culture has their own filmmaking machine. Yeah. But mainstream America, you know it's a different story.
0: That's true. Uh, so if Bruce, uh, another question from Derek, uh, if you know, 80-year-old Bruce Lee, uh, if he was still living, I know we just had his birthday, if he was sitting in front of you what would uh, he say or what uh, he is in you what would you say to him or what would you ask uh, bruce?
1: oh my god if bruce lee was in front of me i would just say thank you yeah. thank you bruce for paving the way for making um making um dreams mm-hmm. attainable for making it giving me permission to pursue a dream. I mean, before Bruce Lee, I was watching Hollywood movies uh, and TV because, like I said earlier, I was left alone as a child. So the TV was my babysitter. And I grew up on a lot of romantic comedies from the 60s. Um, you know, like so these white stars at that time, Cary Grant, Rock Hudson, Tony Curtis, they were my heroes. I wanted to be like them. You know, I didn't know any better. I'm just some Chinese kid in Chinatown. Um, and then when I saw Bruce Lee, um, it was like, that was one of those moments where the world came into color. And it was like, actually, that's the guy. I can be like that guy because he looks like me. I look like him, you know? So I would say thank you, Bruce, for having the courage to like fight Hollywood and racism and, and stick to pursuing an art that can inspire with grounded philosophy and intention for the good, better of society. You know, like a lot of people ask me, it's like, what, like, how do you make it in this? Um, in other interviews, well, what do you rec- You know, what do you suggest to a young actor? It's like you have to have the right intention in this field; otherwise, you're not going to get very far. And thank
0: you for just coming up with the uh, with the name for this episode, which will be the right intention.
1: <laughs> thank you.
0: Yeah. Um, last question for you if um you had a chance to kind of uh, go and talk I, I the the background little background uh is that um <clears throat> your first tv kind of uh, role was on the nick so uh you know you did stage before and if you had a chance to go and talk to a younger uh you know self and gave one piece of advice whether it's life or acting advice um, in addition to having the right attention, what would
1: that be? Um, to 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 myself as a young actor, what mm-hmm. would I tell myself? Um, I think that it's it's a very convoluted world out there. No matter what, what and so if you decide on whatever it is you're doing, whether it's art, music writing that you have to kind of understand that you have to step back and look at the big picture mm. of, of that particular form that you're working in. And, and how is that form seen in the big picture? How does that form serve you and society in the big picture? And i when I say society, I'm already thinking that my young self is out to do good in this world. Mm. Um, Cause if you, I think the young self has already learned earlier on that money is not gonna um, give you happiness. That is really about what you, the 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 voice that you have, uh, being heard, whether it's an individual or an artist, it's like if you're truly heard and appreciated, that's the gift, um, that's the bank account, uh, that your spiritual bank account is what you're fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And that's way better than a monetary bank account. Mm-hmm. So just be able to step back and look at the big picture once in a while and see if what you're doing leads to the spiritual bank account that you want and help society. Mm-hmm. Because at the end, helping is help helping society is helping yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to, you know, as, uh, as another incredibly talented, uh, person, you know, Michael Jackson said, you know, you want to see, uh, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase cause I don't remember the actual song, uh, part, but you know, if you want to change the world, you know, take a look in the mirror and change yourself.
1: Mm. So,
0: um, yeah.
1: Absolutely. It starts with yourself. I mean, you know, you have to know what every action i mean it comes from a you know very, this is kind of a, a a buddhist thing but it's like you have to have the right thought mm-hmm. o- otherwise you won't have the right speech or the right action mm-hmm. so what is the right thought and how do you get to the right thought it's like gotta look at the big picture you know
0: by the way if you want to make a world a better place take a look at yourself and then make that change that's it all right i remembered i remembered michael jackson thank you, there um, you go. I mean, it's uh, it's such a pleasure having you on. I really appreciate uh, you sharing, uh, you know, all things warrior and your life. Uh, I know how much you and uh, the community loves the show. We are all pulling for it, and we'll continue talking about it as much as we can uh, in in order to get you know those six years that you signed up for.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, Alan, for having me, and I love your show. Thank you. You're asking the right questions. <laughs> Thank you. So thank you. And thank, and thank you to the fans. I mean, you guys are amazing. Really.
0: Yeah. The, the Facebook group, I love you. You guys are awesome. Uh, there are two Facebook groups. I love you both. Uh, you guys are, are rocking. So please continue following Perry. All of the, I'm going to call it the Warrior family because they really are family. Follow they are. Everybody. Uh, they're always doing a, a ton of uh, fun content. So check them out everywhere. I'm going to put some links below. Go check them out as well. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.